and then we will read a pretty uh, long passage today, uh, 27, th one through uh, 31. I don't think that's, you don't put the glasses in your eye, it doesn't work. <laughs> um. <coughs> so uh, before we read, uh, or what came, just came before was Jesus had a trial at night and he was condemned to death. And then uh, Peter had denied him. And so when morning came, and all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned. He changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See it to yourself. And, th and throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest taking the pieces of silver said, it's uh, not lawful to put the money into the treasury since it's blood money. So they took counsel and brought, bought with the, them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called a field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what has been spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah saying, and he took 30 pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even a single charge, so that the governor, governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner who they wanted. And they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with this righteous man, for I have suffered much in, much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to call for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which one of these, the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what, then what shall I do with Jesus, whom is called Christ? 
they all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather a riot was beginning. He took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he re released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him, and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on his head. And when they had mocked him, they st stripped him of the robe and put on his clothes, clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Have you ever mm, have you ever been mistaken for somebody else? So I, I have a brother, and so somebody would come up to me and call my brother's name, and I'll be like. I don't know you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not my brother. Or or have you um, even in a worse situation? Have you been? Have you been blamed for something somebody else did? Maybe it was when you were a kid and you and your chil uh, you and your brothers and sisters were playing together and something broke and uh, your uh, other brother or sister <laughs> uh, made an alliance against you and said uh, it's <laughs> that person did it <laughs> but you didn't do it or Or now we have two soccer players, they understand. In team sports, have you ever been substituted? Have you been taken out of the game and someone else put in instead of you? Yeah, you yes. But you know you are better than them. <laughs> At least that's what you felt. But you are still taken out. It ha also happens in workplaces and in school. You may get blamed for something that happens in class, or you may get blamed for something at work, or the other way around, somebody takes credit for your work. But it you did it, but they get the credit for it. So, so, so most of us have experienced that, those things. And we might think that what what's going on? This is injustice. I, oh, this is not like um, this is not fair. Like I was, I'm playing better, or and I'm better than those people. 
And then uh, today to press it even harder is like, well, <laughs> what if the person that gets you get substituted with this is like a really horrible person? They might even be a criminal. And you'd be like, why, why am my position being taken by this person? This is so unfair, I'm getting blamed for something else, and now they get elevated, or they get the praise. Why would they pick a horrible person like this? Like, I get blamed, and this person that's a horrible gets what should be mine. And that might be our experience, but even in those experiences, we are barely scratching the surface of what's going on here. We're barely scratching what Jesus is experiencing now. Because he had done nothing wrong. He had been beaten at night in a trial. And now it's morning and they convene and, and they have an oil trial, and I was like, why did they do that? They already had it. But then most of the smart commentaries, they said, well, this is because it was illegal at night. They couldn't have that trial at night. So they have another trial that says the same thing as the other one, of course, that they convicted Jesus to death. And now they're gonna, gonna drag Jesus through or to the governor. But just <laughs> knowing, knowing as we, t a few weeks ago when Jesus was in the garden, he was having such a hard time. He was saying to Jesus, like, uh, to his disciples, I am distraught until death. He was fighting in the garden. He won in the garden, opposite Adam that had lost in the garden. Jesus won. Peter tries to get him free and Jesus says, at any moment, I can stop this. But I'm not going to. We see the extreme meekness of Jesus that he has at any moment in time, even when they're gonna mock him on the cross, saying you can just come down, and yes, he could. But he didn't. And that's the amazing thing, because he stayed. Although he had power to come down and beat everybody up. That was one of my main pr problems before I became a Christian. Why don't you just beat everybody up? But because in beating everybody up, he doesn't become that substitutionary person that takes the sin of everyone. So, so we're gonna see this even in this, this time that he's gonna show his meetings and show his love for his enemies. I was struck by this to all Matthew, how he shows his love for his enemies all the time, even the religious leaders, because he keeps telling them who he is. He shows it in his, that all of us who was in darkness, Jesus' life and death and resurrection is what transforms us, transfers us into the, his light into God's family and to be reconciled to God. Because, God, because Jesus chose to be our substitute. 
That's where you get the substitutionary term interim. Uh, oh, we just keep going there. That's I've talked about that, but I just wanted to show you this. Because my youngest daughter sometimes, uh, she asks like, okay, where's Jesus? Where do these things go on? And so if you're a little bit of a nerd, uh, maybe you know this, but uh, this is an inscription that Pilate actually lived. Um, so most of the time Pilate would be in Caesarea, me and my team where his castle would be. But at this point in time, he's in Jerusalem because of the feast. So this stone talks about who built um, who built uh, a, a place? Um, yes, yeah, Caesarea Maritima, <coughs> and so it's built by Pontius Pilatus. He is in the he's the prefect of uh, Jerusalem for ten years. Um, he is uh, known not as a nice man. He is known for his uh, sometimes actually agitating the Jews, and then when he would put down rebellions, he would kill a lot of people. And in the end, he is actually removed because he puts, puts down a rebellion in Samaria and it, is view it was, um, it was, uh, it was uh, what they estimated that he used too much force. So when we're talking about Pilate, he's not a guy who works in a kindergarten. Like he is a soldier who has killed people and who is not afraid of killing people. So this should stun us even more that this man who is not afraid to kill people and have people killed, he would sort of try to defend Jesus. This is not a man who is unaccustomed to violence. Um, but he's a real man, he really lives, and he was the governor of, uh, of, this, of this area for 10 years until he was removed for excessive violence. So this is reminding us that we, th when we read the book, the Bible, this is real places, this is real people, and so archaeology confirms uh, this. Um, uh, yeah, just an encouragement there. So Kailin was already asking, so what about Judas? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, okay, so um, like I said in the beginning, uh, is it Judas' fault? Is it the Jews' fault? Is it Pilate's fault? No, it's your fault. Why can't I say that? Well, it's because as Adam fell in the garden, God had a plan to redeem all things. And so as we have rebelled against God, we are the ones who, who has Jesus put on the cross to save us. So we can be blaming all these people in the Bible. And this, it doesn't get them off the hook, it, but I don't think it's the main point. Because some of the commentators and everybody else is so occupied with like, whose fault is it? And I get it. We have to live our lives where we take a responsibility for our actions. But I think if we focus on, is it J Judas worse than everybody else? Is Pilate worse than everybody else? Is the, is the chief priest worse than everybody else? I think we're missing the point. God was going to do this. He just used sinful man to do it. And so I think we have to have that in perspective or else I think we miss it. Um, but we do see the contrast in that we saw 
uh, with Peter failing and crying bitterly and really having a heart of repentance. And then we see see Judas, and they're like, I don't know, what was he expecting? Like, what do you expect? You're going to betray him? You don't think they're going to kill him? Like, what, like, um, or maybe because he didn't fight. Like, why didn't you do something? But at least he's like, okay, now Jesus is, is, is um, he's condemned now and he's going to die. And, and he wakes up kind of and says, Judas says like, I, that was not my intent. I like, I have, I, an, an innocent man is going to get killed. And then the horrific response by the leaders is, so what? That's your problem. It's so weird to see that they say, this is your problem, that, we conv- that you convicted somebody falsely, but they do the religious thing with the money. Oh yeah, we shouldn't put the money in the wrong basket. This is insanity. <laughs> they have just convicted an innocent man to die, but they are concerned with what they do with the money. This is uh, religiousness of the horrible, it's a, uh, horrible sense. But Judah's upset, and what he had gained in his greed, he throws into the temple, and then he goes out and kills himself. There's, we're going to come back to it, but there's a difference between, and I said it before, there's a difference between being sorry about getting caught sorry about the consequences of your sin and then actually repenting and being sorry about everything, your heart's attitude and what you did. Paul talks about it and says over here this is worldly sorrow and that will lead to death. But a godly sorrow would lead us to true repentance lead us to God I think we see that here in Judas who gives up sorry he's sorry for his actions but it doesn't lead him it doesn't lead him to God So that's good for us to remind ourselves about it. Paul also writes that when I'm sorry, is am I sorry because I caused, caused somebody else to be hurt? Or am I sorry about the whole thing because I rebelled against God and the way I did things was, re- was, was the consequences of my, my selfishness? Do I, does it lead me to come to God for repentance? Or is it like one of those famous people who come on TV and say sorry for all the things they did, but it's only because they got caught? That is not true repentance. That I'm sorry that you caught me. I'm sorry that somebody got hurt or offended or whatever it is. And then we have this whole thing and, and, and I'm not uh, we're not going to go deep into this because it's just a long so Matthew we've seen Matthew use the Old Testament a lot and he's he's done some greatest hits of the Old Testament 
and it's just it's it's really good but it's also slightly complicated so he uses passage a lot of different passages to make this one work and he's using it in he's using it because of the things that's happening and it's it's slightly it's not complicated it just takes a long time but uh, what I said before is they oh we can't use it we can't put this money in the box because it's blood money oh okay so then they go out and buy a burial place for strangers and then um, then Matthew is trying to tell us that that was already Jeremiah had already talked about that here's where it gets a little more tricky Jeremiah talks about a lot of other things but the quotation is from Zechariah that's Yes. So, and then there's these things, and and again, it's it's showing that this is still the Lord's doing all these things, and it's about God's people rejecting God, and asking His prophet to to show what's going to happen later. There's a very there's like there's a fly over all that passage. Um, and now we get to the place where. <coughs> Where, um, where Jesus is standing before the governor. I talked just about his character. He's not a guy who's, he's not afraid of probably many people, maybe the emperor in Rome and, and other people. He's afraid that the Jews <laughs> make riots and other things because that's why he's there to make sure that doesn't happen. But he's not a guy who's afraid to kill a few people. But there's something there. It's like, so what the Jews wanted to kill Jesus for was blasphemy. Pilate wouldn't care about Jesus blaspheming their God. So they use another, in front of uh, Pilate, they use something else. They say that he's a king. He's the king of the Jews. Then Pilate has to do something because uh, you can't necessarily just be a king and especially not one that's uh, what do you call it, uh, not, uh, uh, not put in there by Rome, because at this point in time you have Herod, he's put in there by Rome, grew up in Rome, he's put in there by Rome, so he's sanctioned by Rome. But you can't just have kings running around saying they're kings. It's going to smell like rebellion, and that's this is going to be a problem. So that's what the high priest accused Jesus of in front of Pilate. Pilate then goes and says to Jesus, like, are you are you a king? Jesus, <laughs> like he did with Caiaphas, says, you're right. And then Jesus doesn't say any more. Jesus doesn't deny himself. Like he was asked, are you the Christ? He says, I am. Now Pilate asks, are you a king? Yeah. And then he says, anything else? Then the high priests and the scribes, they hurl all sorts of uh, um, accusations against him, and he just doesn't say anything. And Pilate, a man who's seen a lot of things, he's like, there's something that's not right here. It seems very strange. And so he's trying to appeal to him, and it's like, why don't you say anything to, uh, to them of all the things they're saying about you? Why don't you say, why don't you defend yourself? Jesus chooses not to offend, to say anything. <coughs> if you read Isaiah 53, you see a lot of these things now. 
we're in this week where we're in the passages where you see a lot of things where it also says he doesn't say anything. He's silent. So Jesus is silent. He doesn't do anything. It's interesting just to see that he's so greatly amazed because he's, he's probably used to people like pleading and saying, no, no, that's not me, you know. Just like in the beginning, no, no, like I didn't do that. It wasn't me. I, I, I didn't do those things. Jesus doesn't say anything. There's a little bit of disagreement here, but some people would say that not saying anything in this court would say that you actually agree. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced about that, though. But, but anyway, Pilate is greatly amazed. And then we get some more insights of wha- what Pilate thinks. And then... Because he he um, he then tr- he tries to use this trick, like once a t- once a year he would release a prisoner um, at the feast, and so again people are disagreeing with what is going on here. So uh, Pilate thinks this is a horrible person. We hear from the other gospels that this person he is a murderer and an ins- insurrectioner. Uh, the, the word is also that he is famous or popular, so maybe it's not so good to bring out a famous, famous person, an insurrectioner. That's like kind of what the Jews would want, <laughs> in just a, instead of a guy who's not going to do anything. Uh, but at least it seems like Pilate, a man accustomed to violence, dealing with political problems, is trying to get Jesus off. Why? Well, he knows the high priests. And he knows that they are envious. And he knows he can't really trust them. So he comes up with this. Then also his wife has sent, sent, sent a message to him and said she had a dream about Jesus and that he's righteous. So Pilate is trying to get this guy off. And like, just looking at it in a political, he, he couldn't care less. One Jew, one less problem. Why is he even taking this case? But he does try to. He tries to then offer, will you set, will you have Barabbas free or Jesus, the one who you call Christ? And you know, so he says that he's your king. <laughs> he says he's your Messiah. So who do you want? Well, They don't choose Jesus. Commentators, commentators are fast to say it's a different crowd of people. It's not the same people from Galilee who had walked with Jesus, who worshipped him, and who said that he was the coming king who came into the Sunday and, and the triumphal entrance. It's not those people. It's the people in Jerusalem who don't, might not really know Jesus that well. They don't have any issue with him being killed. So the chief elders and priests, they persuade the crowds to call for Barabbas. And then you have this like chilling, chilling, chilling exchange where they go back and forth and Pilate just gets like, why do you want him killed? They don't answer, just crucify him. 
What do you want me to do to Jesus? Crucify him. The crowd is asking for a criminal to be released in exchange for one who had no sin. Then we have uh, this extra, extra, what do you call it? This, this extra means of humiliation. Um, well, first, first Pilate is like, okay, this is going out, this is getting out of hand, we're going to have a riot, and he brings the base in the water and says, am I, I am innocent. You guys are shedding innocent blood. And then the people also in a chilling, chilling response will say, his blood be on us and on our children. And uh, it's an acknowledgement of we will take the blame for this. Many other people say, well, that's because then Jerusalem gets destroyed in 780. Um, I think it means more than that, but oh, just because uh, <laughs> just in a by notes after Jesus is after Jesus is condemned then he has uh, he releases Bar Barabbas and then he has um, Jesus sur scourged and flogged it, it, and it's just like it's just a by it's just almost you I mean you almost read over it this is uh, as you can read is so horrific that some people are almost dead at this time there's limitation in the synagogues, but the Romans don't have limitations. Some witnesses describe that people are like torn apart or they can see people's ribs. And just remember, this is an occupying force. And that might also, that might also explain a little bit of how the soldiers act. Um, yeah, I'll just get back to that, but just explain this part. Um, but that's what I've been saying all the time. Who's responsible? Ultimately, it's God the Father's decision that Jesus is going to die. Jesus has submitted to that in the counsel of God. They have made that this is the way that the one with no sin becomes sin so that we can be the righteousness of God. Again, this is an occupying force in a foreign land. Sometimes bored. Some of the friends might have been killed. When they get a prisoner and they're bored, they will abuse this person. And so that's what we see. Soldiers bored, foreign land, nothing to do other than humiliate this person who says, who has been accused of being a king. So they abuse him, beat him on the head, strike him. And remember, at any point in time, Jesus could stop this. But he doesn't. And that's where the story ends for today. Until he gets crucified by Myers next time. No, but uh. <laughs> so what has all these things to do with you and me? 
Well, as you look at these people, you have Judas. He has absolutely no hope, and he acts with no hope by killing himself. Worldly sorrow and sin does lead us to death. We have the chief priests and elders who was more concerned about observing ordinances about money than getting an innocent man convicted. They know Jesus is innocent. But Jesus died for their greed, for their ambition, and for their envy. Pilate seems like he's just trying to understand what's going on. He, he doesn't really know who Jesus is. He doesn't know why he's there, but he knows he's innocent. He washes his hands, and then the parenthesis, why do you beat the guy up? But he did. The crowd, the crowd yells for Jesus' blood to be on them and on their children. What a chilling statement. But Caiaphas had already said it. It's better one man die than the whole nation perish. The soldiers, they use him as entertainment and mocking him. They act like the Jews the night before. They beat him and spit on him. And This is an opportunity to get some of that wrath out. What about Barabbas? This guy had been in jail for insurrection and murder. Some of the movies, I think, they pick it well. Like, they see this guy come out of jail, and he's looking at Jesus that's beat up, and he's like, what's going on? Why am I being released? Who is this man, even? And why am I set free? Why me? If you're familiar with the Old Testament, there's a picture that comes to mind of of the scapegoat system on the Day of Atonement. The two goats would be picked, and one goat, all the sins would be confessed on, and they would let it go into the desert, and the one with no sin would be sacrificed. It's kind of a picture, that's kind of a picture that Jesus fulfills. He becomes our scapegoat, the one to take the punishment the one that's substituted in instead of us. So the question I ask most of the time, so what about, what about you? Where are you? Do you feel like Judas, the soldiers, the chief priests? Do you put your hope and faith and trust in Jesus as your scapegoat? Have you been too focused on whose bl- who is fault it was? Like some of the uh, places are like some things like this is what, where some people would say anti-Semitism comes from. It's like, oh, it was the Jews that killed Jesus. Failing to understand that this was God's plan. Yes, he used sinful man, but it was God's plan to redeem ourselves. The substitution is willingly Jesus gets substituted in to the place where we should have been.
that was the plan of God. In the counsel of God, they made a plan to redeem man. So however you may feel about Judas or the other people in the story, there's a big better chance that we are on we are more like them in the beginning before we get to know Jesus. Jesus is the one that substitutes himself in and makes it possible for us to be reamed God. I'm going to pray, but I'm also going to just let you sit just a little bit because we were just talking at home. We're like, <laughs> Kathleen could burst out with a good question. Like, shouldn't we sit in that more? I was like, yeah, we should. Because even reading this passage, like, and then in a minor passage, it says that he got beaten almost to death. Who, what kind of God would substitute himself into that kind of humiliation, pain? And why? Because that was a way to redeem you and me. So what I hope it does in us is that it's, it does this. Old Matthew Henry says, like, no one could bear the sin of us except him who had no sin. Then he asks the question, are we not at all concerned? Is Barabbas not prepared to Jesus when sinners reject salvation. When we, we want to hold on to our sins and rob God of their glory and murder our souls, then the, po the point of the blood of Jesus is now for on us for good and mercy. And then he's calling us to run to Jesus and not away from him. Because, and this is the verse from the beginning that I thought was coming up before, because he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. So if we are believers, we have become ambassadors for Christ we ask people to be reconciled because we have experienced this. So who killed God? Or who killed Jesus? We all did. But God made it possible for us to come to him because he had the plan to substitute himself in and willingly go to the cross. Jesus knew what he was doing. Let's pray. Thank you so much, God, heaven and earth, creator of all things. Lord, I ask that you would just help us right now and through this week, this coming week, just to marvel at how amazing you are, at how you at any point in time, Jesus could have stopped us. But for love for us and honor to your Father and the plan that you made, you endured 
You saw the glory that was set before you and you adored, making it possible for us to be reconciled. Lord, I pray. I pray right now, like, wherever we are at, if we have not understood that at all, I pray you turn on the lights in our hearts and minds to see who you are, Jesus, to see that you made a way for us to be reconciled to God, that we can be adopted into your family. I pray for us who have walked with you before, Jesus. I, I pray that as we read this, as we are amazed by this story of what you've done, how you endured, and what you did, how you substituted us for you, I pray we'll be amazed. I pray it will create great joy, amazement. I pray it will create bold hearts and minds that have peace in you and who will share this with other people as well. But Lord, start with us. Overwhelm us day by day with who you are. Help us to know that when we fail, we can come not with no hope, but with hope that you will listen. You understand what it's like to be us. And we can repent, godly repentance in you, Jesus, and have great hope. So enlarge our hearts to see you clearer. Open our minds and hearts to see you even more, our more and beautiful, we ask. May it be all be your glory, your honor, in Jesus' name. Uh, just a few things is that if you want somebody to pray with you there's people around to pray if you have comments questions I'm also willing to talk um, I forgot the other thing yeah don't run away we have dinner afterwards but I, just th I still forgot something oh yeah last thing um all our sermons is to glorify who Jesus is and make him look more wonderful and beautiful. So if in the back of your mind there was like something like uh, you feel like condemned in some way or like you should just do more, do more, uh, that's, not, that's not what I'm trying to say. What we're always trying to say is like look at how wonderful God is because that changes our hearts and our minds. So that's what we would like to convey. All right, so then we have the benediction. So you can stand up and there it is. So from Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews writes, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.